Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm your host, Ariana Bravo, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Lewis Hamilton took the win at his home race in front of packed crowds after what can only be described as a dramatic race. Despite a 10-second penalty for colliding with title rival Max Verstappen in a crash that stopped the race and sent Verstappen to hospital for further checks, Lewis was still able to bring home the victory after chasing down Charles Leclerc in the final few laps. Although Leclerc wasn't able to keep hold of the lead, he put in an absolutely stellar performance, taking the lead after the Hamilton and Verstappen crash and maintaining it after the restart. Valtteri Bottas joined Hamilton and Leclerc on the podium ahead of the McLarens of Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo. There is a lot to discuss today, lots of opinions flying around on social media. People are understandably very emotionally charged. And I have some great guests joining me today. I have Jake Boxer-Leg, technical editor of Autosport, and we have Ben Anderson, editor of GP Racing. Ben, very nice for you to join us. How are you doing? Thanks. Yeah, a great guest. Well, I'm, I'm honoured to be described in such effusive terms. <laughs> JBL, how are you doing? Good. Uh, obviously, we were supposed to record this uh, last night and then just everything got away from us. So we're all here. We're chipper this morning and hopefully we can, now we've had a chance to sleep on it, we can be incredibly clear with our views, let's say. Yes, exactly that. Now, before we get into the race rundown, I always like to start with a rating out of 10 for the race. I feel like this race was very, very dramatic and everything was quite magnified yesterday but as you've said we've had some time to let everything settle so no rash votings here but out of 10 ben what are you going to give yesterday's race <laughs> well i give the the first lap 10 out of 10 and i give the end 10 out of 10 and the middle probably about a three or a two. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow jbl but- what are you gonna say <laughs> I mean, I'll take, I think I'll take Ben's rubric, go with an average of about, let's go for seven out of 10 overall. But yeah, that, that first lap was, I think, good fun. And to the end of the race, uh, it, it was incredibly tense. It was a great crescendo. Um, so yeah, let's go seven out of 10 overall. Okay. Okay. Ratings in. Let's just quickly do a rundown of how the race unfolded. From pole position, Verstappen just held onto his lead from pole after running side by side with a fast starting Hamilton through at turn one. Hamilton attacked like he did in the sprint race into Brooklands and again at Cops, where they touched wheels, Hamilton's left front to Verstappen's right rear at 180 miles per hour, and Verstappen was sent plunging backwards into the tire wall. Leclerc took advantage of their collision to grab the lead. 
Verstappen climbed out the car unaided but was clearly winded before he was taken to the medical centre and later to a local hospital. Meanwhile, the safety car came out and then the red flag was flown. After a break of over 30 minutes to repair the tyre wall, they lined up for the standing restart in the order Leclerc, Hamilton, Bottas and the McLarens of Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo. Leclerc led Hamilton, the fast-starting Norris, Bottas and Ricciardo. Behind them, Sebastian Vettel spun his Aston Martin at Luffield while battling Fernando Alonso's Alpine for sixth. On lap five, Hamilton was notified of a 10-second penalty for causing the collision with Verstappen, while Ferrari's Carlos Sainz passed Alonso for sixth at Brooklands. Leclerc led comfortably until his engine began to cut out on lap 15, which put Hamilton into his DRS range, but Ferrari managed to solve his mapping issues and he pulled clear again. Norris stopped on lap 22, but a lengthy six-second stop due to a right rear issue cost him third place to Bottas. Hamilton then pitted on lap 28, serving his 10-second penalty before switching to the hard tyres and rejoining behind Norris in fourth. Sainz suffered a slow 12-second pit stop due to a left front problem, dropping him back behind Ricardo. Leclerc pitted a tour later on lap 30, rejoining with a 7-second lead over Bottas, who was 5 seconds clear of Norris, and a charging Hamilton, who was 13 seconds off the lead. Hamilton passed Norris for third on lap 31 and caught Bottas 10 laps later, Bottas followed team orders and gifted second to Hamilton at Stowe, and at that point he was 8 seconds behind Leclerc with 12 laps remaining, but was consistently lapping a second lap per lap faster. Hamilton got into the DRS range of Leclerc with 4 laps remaining and passed him at Cops with 3 laps to go when Leclerc understood wide when he attacked. It was Hamilton's 8th victory at his home race with Leclerc finishing 2nd. A big thank you to Alex Kalinorkas for those wonderful words there, giving us the rundown of how the race happened. All credit to him. I'm not going to try and claim that. That is how <laughs> the race unfolded. But let's get straight into it. Take I a mean, breath. Take a breath. Yeah. Have a breather after that. Like a bit of a sweat there. <laughs> but the race was intense. That collision was a big one. 51 Gs. Thankfully, Max is okay. That's the most important thing, first and foremost. But as I said, people are undivided. People are very divided, rather, on that accident. There has been uproar there has been anger there has been emotion there's been everything and more let's delve into what you make of the accident ben i'm going to start with you you have driven this course you've you've driven this circuit you've done you've done that corner what did you make of it talk us through the accident there's so much to unpick really on the incident itself i mean i I don't buy this idea that you don't race at cops Obviously, there's different speeds involved in Formula One, much much faster than many other categories or most other categories. You can overtake into cops. In my own racing career, I I did. I went uh, underneath two cars, so we went three abreast through that corner before, and came out the other side all intact. But nevertheless, in this particular case, I don't really agree with the stewards' view that Hamilton had space on the inside to give Max. I know it looks like that from the overhead view, particularly. But Cops is one of these strange corners where you have this kind of shallow approach and then a late apex. You kind of have to turn in early to make the corner. And that space on the inside of Lewis, particularly from the onboard, is dead space. He can't go that far over to the barrier and make the corner. So if you look at the trajectory he's on uh, at the moment of impact, he's headed for the apex, for the, the curb on the inside where you would where you would want to be. In my view, Max is basically saying I'm going to take my normal line you see him just move left at the moment that Lewis gets down the inside to just take the normal line through cops and he doesn't open his steering and to my mind it's one of these line in the sand moments where basically Lewis has got the momentum he's he's had the, the the extra speed from the toe that move is on he's saying right I'm coming down the inside it's up to you now what you do and Max has basically said I'm taking my normal line and you're going to have to back out of this or we're going to have an accident. And to me, that goes back to the races earlier in this season when they went side by side. In both cases, Max is on the inside and Lewis is on the outside, Imola and Barcelona. And in each case, Max chokes off the space and says, basically, Lewis, you've got to back out or do something or we're going to crash. And in each case, Lewis takes the the longer view, if you like, and decides to open his steering. He goes over the curbs at Imola. He, he goes slightly wide at turn one at Barcelona and lets Max have the corner. This time, Max is in the position where he's on the outside line. That's the more dangerous line. 
he's got to basically yield and Max Verstappen isn't a driver who yields. And I think Lewis has finally said, well, you know, I, I'm not going to let you bully me because there's a lot of psychology going on as well in racing. You know, if you've if you've had a couple of incidents where you've come off worse, you don't really want to give the other driver this psychological advantage where basically every time you go wheel to wheel, they know you're going to back out. So I think in this case, Lewis has a legitimate opportunity to pass and Max just hasn't really given him the extra room you need when you're going side by side through that corner. Interestingly, later in the race, when Hamilton passes Leclerc, Leclerc does open the steering and probably a little bit too much. They go through the corner, obviously Leclerc goes off. And I know that was used as a stick to beat Hamilton with Christian Horner was saying, well, you know, look, if Leclerc doesn't do anything there, they have a crash. But Leclerc also had, you know, problems with his tyres. He'd been absolutely gunning that Ferrari trying to stay ahead. So he was running out of grip. I think between what happened with Leclerc and what happened with Verstappen, there is room that can be given by both cars to get through that corner safely. Really, Max, I think, should have backed out, realised that Lewis is probably going to overshoot the corner because he's on such a tight line and going so fast, and then just repassed him on the exit before they got to to Maggots and Beckett's. You know, this goes to the, the psychology of Max Verstappen as a racer. I think we've seen in his career so far, he's incredibly gifted, incredibly fast, incredibly aggressive, but he he wants to be the alpha on that grid. He doesn't want to give a quarter ever. And I just think in this case, he he should have he should have just given that little bit more room and he would have come out the corner the other side and been able to, to have a go back at, at Lewis and certainly wouldn't have ended up in the barriers. It was such an intense moment, but I feel like everyone sort of knew it was coming. Before yeah. the race, I've spoken to a few other journalists as well, and we'd all said, I, I, we're pretty sure something is going to happen. This is the race they're going to have contact because, as you've said, it's been bubbling and bubbling through the season. Hamilton has backed off quite often, given given Max the opportunity, and then said, you know, it's not worth it kind of thing. Yesterday, in front of his home crowd, there was just a feeling it wasn't going to happen. If it came to the will-to-will situation, there was no way that Lewis was going to concede the way that he has in previous races. Obviously, the accident was massive, positive that Lewis wasn't obviously intending something of that magnitude, etc. But it was inevitable. And as you said, Lewis has come out since and said, you know, he's not going to be bullied into giving up the, polis- the positions. He doesn't understand why Max needs to be so aggressive. And he doesn't feel like, you know, he was at fault as such. But of course, he was given the penalty. Do you agree with the penalty that he was given, Ben? No, because I I I can see how it looks that way, and the left front wheel does hit the right rear uh, ultimately. But at that point, you can see Max is turning on the normal line, and Lewis is probably thinking, "Well, that's it; the space is gone now, and you you can't back out." The stewards' argument was that there was more space available on the inside, but as I explained before, I, th- that space doesn't really exist when you're driving that corner. You know, if you look where the apex is, it's quite late. Now, Lewis. Lewis can't go further to the inside and still make the corner. I think he's as far across the inside as you would reasonably expect to be when you're trying to overtake someone there. And bearing in mind, he is mostly alongside as well at the, at the point they start to approach that corner. It's only when they collide that he's not. But at that point, as I say, Max has kind of choked off his space by basically saying, I'm taking this corner as normal and you're going to have to disappear or we're going to collide. And at this point, I don't think it's possible for Lewis to, to disappear quickly enough. As I say, I think uh, it, it looks different to how it is from inside the cockpit. Uh, and I really think on this occasion, Max should have just given that little bit more room, uh, allowed Lewis to kind of overshoot on the inside and then tried to come back at him on the run down to the next corner because there's every chance he would have repassed him. I don't. It's very difficult to make that corner on the inside and come out still ahead unless you're much, much faster than the other guy. And I mentioned at the in the first answer my own experience of trying to pass people at at that corner and it sounded very impressive to say oh, I went inside two people at once that corner but when I came out the other side they were both back on me and they went past me before the next corner <laughs> because you you can't maintain the speed you need for the exit on such a shallow line so the move was on and it was worth Lewis having a go but I think you know with a with a bit more consideration Max could have come out the other side probably reclaimed the lead and not had a massive accident. But from his perspective, I can understand how it looks like, you know, I'm ahead, I've got the lead, I've turned in on my normal line and I've been tagged on the right rear. You know, any driver in that position is going to feel aggrieved and feel like the other guy should have the book thrown at them. But I think it's a bit muddier than that. But ultimately, it's a massive moment, isn't it? It's, you know, two current titans of Formula One going at it. And 
it's a seminal moment, really. Um, the first time their fight has really become gloves off and probably the first time that Lewis has felt the need to really draw the line in the sand. I mean, he needed to make the points up as well. So there was a lot more riding on it for him. Whereas in you know, previous situations, he's had the advantage of you know being in the points lead and he can he can look at the longer game. So it was really interesting to see roles reverse this time. It really was. And I think this has been a monumental moment in that championship fight. It's definitely going to get a lot more feisty as the year unfolds. JBL, what was your take on the collision? We've heard Ben's perspective. What did you make of it? I think at the time, uh, when I first watched it, I kind of thought, okay, 10 second penalty for Hamilton seems kind of fair. Uh, I think it was the ball was sort of more in his court. But the more I think about it, the more I look at it, I, I'm, I'm tending towards what Ben said. I think it is a racing incident at the end of the day. And I, it's because when you look at the incident and you look at, if you put yourself in the position of both drivers and say, could Hamilton have stamped on the brakes uh, and maybe avoided it? Possibly. Could Max have given him more space? Possibly. So there was something that both of them potentially could have done. And so given that the blame kind of rests with both and yet neither, uh, I think I am tending towards a racing incident on on that particular front. But there is this sort of indignance about it, isn't there? Uh, I'm sure you've seen on social media, everyone's got uh, an opinion on it. And it's like it's never happened before. It's like we've never had two title contenders collide together. It's the most normal thing in Formula One. Obviously, we're glad that Max is okay and is out of the car and is absolutely fine. But, you know, this this has happened num- a number of times. If we'd had Twitter in the Prost-Senna days or the Villeneuve-Schumacher collision, we'd never get anything done. So uh, I think... I, I I just think you know it, it has happened. Uh, punishments have been have been dished out, and um, going forward, I think Max will probably need to think twice about first lap instance because, as Ben said, Hamilton's drawn his line in the sand. Hamilton has said, "Look, I, I've backed out the first two times at Spain and Imola. I'm not doing it again. I've got nothing to lose here. The championships in currently in your hands." Um, so he's giving Max the the incentive to to try and be a little bit to box a little bit more clever, I think, on the opening lap, uh, and that's the key thing. Um, Max does have the championship lead; he does need to be careful with it if he's going to win a title. And let's not forget that Lewis Hamilton has won seven of them, and he knows exactly what he's doing. So um, it is this gamesmanship, and it's it's quite fun to see because the last real battle we had was the Hamilton Rosberg one and uh, that was really tame. They never collided did they? <laughs> <laughs> it was just really tame it was just like one driver tried to sort of send out barbs the other driver just wasn't really really engaged in the battle this is a proper battle and I like that. The dynamics are really really interesting between the two of them and Ben it was great to have your take on it thank you for joining us we pulled you in very last minute and we appreciate you jumping on before we let you go though what can we expect to see from a gp racing magazine in the next few months have a little plug before you uh continue your day oh wow yeah so um well we've just done obviously our british grand prix preview special issue um so you know that's that's now predated given the race has <laughs> happened uh and there's still obviously we had an interesting interview with lando norris about his development and uh story on george russell and the stuff he's been doing behind the scenes at williams uh and then coming up we've uh we've got an exclusive with carlos Sainz um on his first year at ferrari so um look out for that um in the next issue august which goes on sale um just as you get into the summer break actually um so yeah we're excited about that um yeah, it's been uh, exciting times, actually. Um, this season has been really good. Um, fascinating uh, developments. We've got a story also on um, the title battle, Mercedes and Red Bull, uh, and kind of looking at the big picture of how Mercedes is treating this season in the context of you know the rules revolution that's coming and why they're on the ropes, really, against Red Bull, um, which is part of, obviously, why you had the situation that flared up the British Grand Prix you know it's been a while since Lewis has been in a car that's let's say inferior to his opponent uh, and that creates a different dynamic when it comes to you know taking opportunities creating opportunities and, and trying to score every point you can 
Um, so yeah, we'll be taking a look at um, the, the bigger picture there and, and how Mercedes deals with this, you know, very real threat to their dominance that we've got from from Red Bull Honda. Sounds absolutely brilliant. Everyone that's listening, make sure you get your hands on the GP Racing magazine. Ben, we will let you go. But once again, thank you for joining us and for that really fascinating insight from a driver's perspective. And now we are going to bring in another guest. It's all fun here today. We have Mike Mulder, the editor of the Dutch edition of Motorsport.com joining us. Mike, how are you doing? Pretty good. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, Ariel. Although it was a bit of a, uh, well, for the Dutch, uh, very disappointing day, of course, yesterday. Well, let's get straight into that. We've heard from Ben and JBL. They've both given their takes on the collision. As you said, disappointing day for you guys. But what did you make of it? Do you think racing incident? Do you think Hamilton was at fault? Do you think Verstappen was at fault? What is your view on the collision? Well, yeah, obviously it was just the first lap of the of the of the race, so there's a bit bit more allowed uh, uh, than than usual. So so um, I don't, wouldn't call it a racing incident. I mean. I mean um, the, the the view here in Holland is that that you can't take cops corner like that, uh, like like Hamilton did yesterday, um, and and he should have uh, given uh, Verstappen more space there. And um, on the other hand, it's fair to say that Verstappen could have given Hamilton space there. And like Ben uh, just mentioned, that um, uh, Verstappen would have taken back the position later on in the in that in that lap. So that's a bit of a. Uh, thing here in Holland I guess but the main thing is not the the, the incident itself it's it's more the reaction afterwards by by Hamilton that is a, a thing here in Holland and the penalty uh, that was given by the the, 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 the FIA that was um, here in Holland was was saying it's too mild the, the 10, 10 second penalty was too mild for uh, for Hamilton no, of course we saw um, we saw Max Verstappen speaking out after the incident when he was still in hospital, saying that he thought yeah. that Hamilton's response was, I think it was disrespectful and unsportsmanship-like along yeah, those words. That's what he said. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, it is worth mentioning that Lewis at that point didn't know that Max was in hospital. He hadn't been informed by his team um, that yeah. Max was in hospital. So, of course, he, I assume presumed max was okay had been checked out of the medical center and was just celebrating as if as if that was the case um he has since when he's been informed he's since said obviously he is glad to hear that max is okay he'll reach out to him etc um but it is a tricky one because it does change the dynamics and it has added this sort of bitter divide now between the two fan groups hasn't it yep Absolutely. I mean, like you say, in England, the gloves are off now. That's exactly what we've been saying here in the Netherlands as well. I mean, uh, this opens up for the Verstappen fans here in Holland to say, well, uh, Verstappen's not going to have this. Uh, the next time it will be the other way around and uh, Verstappen is not going to give uh, any more uh, chances to, to, to Hamilton. I mean, it's it's definitely what you say. It's it's a very big division now between the two fan groups, I guess, and to um, to the, the Stoppen fans here in Holland, they say, well, it's on now. I mean, from this moment on, it's it's uh, not taking any prisoners anymore. It's uh, a full blown duel uh, right now. And that's a tricky one because, of course. What does that mean, JBL, for the championship going forward? Because as we've said, Max is already an aggressive driver. So mm-hmm. there's there's not much more that we can get on that side. Of course, if Lewis is going to continue with, I'm not being good into it and I'm not going to concede. And he, like we've said, he's drawn his line in the sand. How is this going to unfold? JBL, are you expecting this to actually get more contentious between the two? Or do you think after some time unwinding, you know, analyzing everything, they might... They might settle a little, little bit. I think it depends how each driver decides to play the game, really. Um, There is scope for this to emanate into a full psychological warfare. At the same time, uh, you know, the drivers could just be really boring and focus on it and let Christian Horner and Toto Wolff do all the fighting in the pit lane. Um, I suspect the latter. um, But there's... 
if you look at the calendar coming up, there's a lot of circuits that will suit the Red Bull more. We've got Hungary coming up that's usually a very good Red Bull circuit. If you look at the characteristics of this year's car, it's very, very good in those slow speed sections. And the Mercedes is a little bit worse off when it comes to that. So next weekend, you'd expect Verstappen has a prime opportunity to get back on top and reassert his place at the top of the standings. But then when we get to Spa and when we get to Monza, uh, Spa, I know people like to conflate Spa and Monza, but Spa is probably a little bit more similar to Silverstone with regards to setup. And Mercedes should be stronger there and it should be stronger at Monza. So, and then Zandvoort is a bit of an unknown quantity, but uh, we'll see how that goes. I mean, if, if Lewis Hamilton wins, it, wins there, that will be quite a, quite a story. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, that would be a real statement of intent, wouldn't it? But I think this, there is this ebb and flow yeah. to the championship battle. Um, and Max has had some great rounds and now Lewis has got back one back. Uh, and it's going to continue to do that throughout the season. Um, and, and it's however they can get an advantage, really. And if they want to play the psychological game and try and break each other, um, that would add an interesting uh, side sidebar to it. But I think... Yeah, they're going to go hell for leather. No, neither of them are going to give up. The war of words between the team principals is quite a topic this season. Christian Horner, very vocal, very strong in his criticism for Lewis in the post-race interviews. Of course, I can imagine that he was very emotionally charged. His driver was in hospital. It was a big collision. Um, and, you know, things get heated. This is racing. It happens. Toto as well. We had the FIA messages of him sending emails to Michael Massey and... Then I was in the paddock. We saw him going up to see the stewards as well when he looked, you know, very stressed. Uh, but as you said, it could go one of two ways. Mike, which way do you think it's going to go? Is it going to be played out with words by the team principals, you know, in the paddock? Or actually, no, I think that... And also by the fans, I guess, as well. Or is it? do you think it's going to get a bit nasty on the track? I, I wouldn't think so because you can't have in this season too much... DNFs. I mean, it's it's all about getting points. And, exactly. and, and Max Verstappen has matured quite a lot in the recent years, and and that we must say. I mean, in in the former years when he was beginning, starting out in in F one, he was he did like many things that were down to um, being being the new guy on the block. I mean, he's he's matured. He's got one goal ahead and that's winning the championship title and and that's what he's focused on so i guess they'll speak it out they have hungary and then they have like three four weeks off uh it's it's summertime time it's summer stop uh, so so um they'll they'll get back to their you know rewind a bit and and then they'll uh, get back in, in spa of course in august but i think like i said i mean stopping has matured so much that he'll he'll try to focus on the, on the championship title and and when when Hamilton does that as well, which I think he does, then we'll have a fair uh, fight on our hands and and let like Jen said, uh, do do Toto and and Christian do the fighting in the in the in the in the paddock. I mean, just don't get too aggressive, I guess. But yeah, it will be fun. It's going to be interesting how this unfolds, and I can already imagine the Netflix Drive oh, to Survive yeah. episodes are for this yeah. drama are going to be absolutely explosive. Um, they were lurking around the paddock and, yeah, listening into as many conversations as they could. So we're going to definitely have an exciting few episodes there. Before we let you go, though, Mike, what was your take on the rest of the race and the others further down the pack? How did you how did you find that? We're pretty much focused here in Holland on on Mercedes, of course, uh, as as being the big rival to to Red Bull. Uh, we saw uh, uh, a Valtteri Bottas that was uh, <laughs> well, yeah, well, there were, there were some antics against Valtteri Bottas uh, this weekend. I mean, he's, he's he's he'll he'll never have a chance to say again that he is. Uh, He's, he's no longer the wingman. I mean, that was uh, yeah, a bit of a, unfortunate, of course, because he was allowing Lewis Hamilton to, go, to, to pass by and to, to, to gain extra points, which is pretty logical, of course. But here in Holland, we're always like, well, come on, why didn't you give uh, Hamilton a harder time? 
uh, we were, of course, also very much uh, uh, surprised by the by the speed of, of, of Ferrari. They're they're doing a great job, uh, I, I guess, and, and they're on the on on the move. Uh, maybe they get they can get uh, in between Mercedes and Red Bull for sometimes uh, picking off some points of of Mercedes in the in the fight with Red Bull. And well, here in Holland, there's the fan base here in Holland isn't too much, too keen on on Lewis Hamilton, but they have tremendous support for Lando Norris and George Russell, which did an extremely good job this uh, this weekend, I guess. So um, I think, yeah, that's that's basically the, the the thing here in Holland. Very interesting, and it's been lovely to get your take on it because. Of course, we don't no, usually get you. the take from the Dutch side. So very interesting to have you on and perfect timing with the race that we had yesterday. So thank you so much for joining us. We won't keep you for any longer, but enjoy the rest of your day and we'll hopefully catch up again soon. When you're craving Church's three-piece classic, there's no other option. Two crispy legs, a thigh, and a warm honey butter biscuit are the only way. And that's why we call it a classic. Church's Texas Chicken. Tap the banner to find your nearest location. Offer valid at participating locations. JBL, we are going to continue our um, discussion of yesterday's race. And we're going to talk about the rest of the pack now, as I think we've given Hamilton and Verstappen their their uh, airtime, shall we say. Let's talk about Charles Leclerc, because as Mike just said, he put in a really great performance yesterday. Weren't well, really expecting the Ferraris to be that strong at this track. I spoke to the drivers um, on the drivers' parade before the race, and they were sort of, you know, saying the same thing. And Charles was saying he he had his eyes on a podium if he could get it, um, and he did. And actually, he he got the podium, but he was on fire for a lot of the race. He really held it dominantly, um, but then obviously Lewis just came charging after him. What did you make of Charles yesterday? He looked pretty unflappable, didn't he? Uh, I think mm. the one thing that was really impressed me was that that just that opportunism at the start. He'd seen that Hamilton Max collision. He was like, "Well, I've got maybe ten seconds until we get a safety car or a red flag, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go there and grab the lead." And that that kind of made his race really. Um, and the way that he held on from Hamilton and even though Hamilton was putting him under pressure in the early parts of the race and he sort of was coming in and out of DRS range and Leclerc was just able to keep a consistent stream of lap times going, that really made his race. Then Hamilton got his penalty and had to come back at him. Uh, I think it got to a point where Leclerc couldn't really do too much more with the hard tyre. What we know about the Ferrari is it is a little bit hard on its tyres and I thought that the hot conditions were really going to you know, help them struggle really, but they, they seem to transcend that, especially on the mediums. They look really, really good. Um, but yeah, I think towards the end, he just ran out of steam a little bit, and it was a bit of a foregone conclusion. Um, Hamilton was taking a second lap out of him, if not more. Uh, so it was uh, it was a predictable ending a little bit, but you know, it was still good to see the fight, um, and it was nice to see Charles back up there for what seems like an eternity. Yeah, it, towards the end of the race, it was inevitable that, unfortunately, Lewis was going to knock him off of that uh, top spot. But, I mean, I really just don't think he should be disappointed in himself. He was incredible. And to be doing that in that Ferrari is just a testament to his skill and his talent. So, yeah, hats off to Charles. Let's jump to Valtteri Bottas. Mike, obviously, just uh, <laughs> speaking quite strongly there on his view on Bottas and his position in the team. It wasn't a particularly, you know, amazing day for Valtteri, to be honest. Um, sort of fell into the shadows a little bit with all of the drama that was unfolding in front of him and around him. What did you make of Valtteri? And do you agree with Mike's view there that, you know, you are a wingman and you cannot say any difference? <laughs> I think, yeah, no, I think I have to agree with that. Um, at the start, he was very, very easily dispatched by Norris. And yes. although, again, he tried to come back at him. Norris was just doing the better job. And it was only the the slow pit stop that lost 
I think Norris lost about four seconds in that pit stop, and that was enough for Bottas to come in the lap after and have enough. Uh, I think Bottas could possibly have overcut him if he was just going to you know, stay out and do a few more laps, but... I think that pit stop was too much of an opportunity not to miss out on. Um, so that kind of locked in Bottas's podium, really. And then, yeah, just had to give way to Hamilton because of, you know, penalties and whatnot. And and he's just, I think, I don't know. Bottas looks like he's, I don't want to say he's given up just yet, but he seems way too just compliant in everything. Uh, I think after the the incident where he said, why don't you listen to me? I think he, he just looks like, oh, I'm just not going to fight this anymore. Uh, yeah, do whatever. I'll get out of the way. Just, you know, it, it just seems very subservient at the moment. And that's not necessarily something you want to see. Yeah, it did seem like the fight in him wasn't really there. Um, I, I would say that. Uh, but do you think that performances like that are going to be quite critical in this whole discussion debate, Valtteri versus George. There are rumours flying, of course, that the seat is going to George. They are unconfirmed. We don't know whether that is the case. Um, But what do you think, given the performance of both of them over this weekend? Of course, George was absolutely sensational on Friday, picked up the three-place grid penalty. But do you think that, given how they're both performing right now, Mercedes might be leaning a little bit more towards George? I think there's more to consider than just uh, whether they're a good team player or not. Um, They've got Hamilton for two more years, and I suspect, and I think they suspect that that will then be the end of it. Um, And they've got to look to the future. Um, And and keeping Bottas on for, you know, another two years to keep Hamilton happy, it might work for for two more years. But after that, what's your option? And uh, if you don't promote Russell now he might go somewhere else uh that's that's what you risk um uh and they look next door at rebel rebel was not afraid to put verstappen in that car because they were feared that they might lose him to another team um and, and i think mercedes has to take you know the initiative a little bit it's it's ultimately their prerogative but russell is that future i think and um you know i so don't what think- would you do if you were toto uh, what would I do? Uh, yeah, I think I would think I would have to. Uh, I would obviously I would help Bottas find another seat for for next season. Uh, you know, I wouldn't just throw about go so long. <laughs> Thanks for all the memories. Bye. But I think you have to look to the future, and I think Russell has a couple of years to learn from Lewis Hamilton on how to be a seven-time world champion, and then and then they're set. I think um, it'll be a bit sort of a little bit of a painful transition with that regard, but I think it's the only option really. Very interesting decisions for Mercedes to make. And everyone is so eagerly awaiting that announcement. Of course, George did that little tease on Twitter this weekend when he did the announcement uh, to start his tweet. And it was, I think it was his helmet design, um, (laughs) something like that. And I interviewed him later that day and he was like, yeah, everyone got really excited about it. And I was like, you know what you were doing, please. (laughs) You know exactly (laughs) what you were doing, George. Uh, But yeah, we'll be keeping a close eye on that uh, that situation there and we will of course delve into it when the decision comes through but let's move to the other Brit in the pack Lando Norris the crowds were obsessed with him yesterday I mean they were going wild for Lando I interviewed him after the race um, and after all the media pen interviews so people had started trickling out anyway and we were doing a live stream to the grandstands and the roars from the remaining fans was unbelievable every time he spoke. Like we could hear it belting into the paddock. They absolutely loved him. He had a good weekend. I mean, Lando is just consistent, consistently strong, isn't he? He he always has been. Um, it, it took him a little bit of time to get up to speed in F1, but he was kind of growing with McLaren. And now McLaren mm. seems to be in a really good place. By association, Lando's in a really good place. Um, he's he's just really good, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, know, he really I is. I, can, I don't know how much I can break it down. He's just he's just really really good, and he's been a bit of a sleeper hit over the last couple of years because we didn't really know against Carlos Sainz how good was he, how good 
you know, could he be? Um, but, you know, I remember him watching him in F2, um, battling against uh, George Russell for the for the title. And, and both of them are phenomenal. Uh, by association, uh, that leaves Alex Albon significantly underrated because he was very good that season as well. But I'm sure that's another discussion for another time. Uh, but, but, but yeah, Lando's just been stunning this year. Um, and he's third in the championship ahead of Sergio yeah, Perez in a Red Bull and <laughs> Valtteri Bottas in a Mercedes. Um, so, yeah, I can, imagine, I can imagine why McLaren was so keen to get him signed up early. Yeah, and I think that I've said this before. I think that that's a really strong relationship that they have there. It's a really healthy relationship. They clearly work so well together. And as you said, Lando's been growing with the team. And this year, he's really just come into his own. I mean, third in the championship is just bizarre. I mean, obviously, completely <laughs> deserved, but crazy to think about. You wouldn't have expected that against some of the competitors in those top cars, but absolutely deserved. His teammate, Daniel Ricciardo, finishing just behind him. He's had a difficult season so far, ups and downs. But this weekend was actually, you know, this was a good result for him. This is what he needed. This is the outcome that he's been looking for, you know, right up there with his teammate, right there with Lando. Yeah, definitely. And I think it was only to be expected that Ricciardo was going to have it a little bit tough in the first part of the season. And I think even... Lando Norris said at the start of the season because um, obviously McLaren switched from a Renault powertrain to a Mercedes one and that's going to change uh, you know how traction is going to be delivered how you know the ERS works that kind of thing and that's something that Ricardo had to get used to as well but in a different car um, you know he'd been driving for Renault for two seasons got used to that did very well and now he's having to relearn the same thing again so it was only natural, but he, I think this has been his most complete weekend so far. Um, he's either had a really iffy race or a really iffy qualifying or, you know, in Monaco case, both. But he, he just seems to be growing a little bit more with confidence. And I think McLaren's the right team for that. It seems to be have a very familial atmosphere at the moment. Um, I think, you know, Zach Brown and Andrea Seidel have done a lot to work on that culture. Uh, and he, yeah, he's improving. He also had a very, very good race in which he was a little bit fortuitous to keep ahead of science um, because, uh, as I'm sure we'll discuss, science had a slow stop. They were battling for the first part of the race and then the stops happened and then they were still battling. And, you know, it seemed like it could go on for forever um, until one of them ran out of fuel. But yeah, uh, it was a really good race, really good defensive performance. Um, He's growing in confidence and, and, and that's the key thing. Yeah, he was all smiles after the race, giving everyone a little flash of that uh, lovely Daniel Ricciardo big grin. He was definitely in good spirits and good for him. It's nice to see because, yeah, it's not nice to see a down and dejected Daniel Ricciardo when he is such a bubbly, positive character. You teed that up perfectly to discuss Carlos Sainz, though. Of course, as you said, he had that slow stop Talk to us about what you made of his race and his weekend as a whole, because like we said, the Ferraris have actually ended up pretty solid this weekend. Yeah, it's been a really, really good recovery from him. Because um, obviously in the sprint, definitely not a race, but it was totally a race race. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he fell well down and had to recover in th that very, very small amount of running time. And he did say very, very well. And then at the start of the, you know, at the start and then at the restart, did incredibly well to make up positions uh, and finishing P6. That's a really, really good result given, you know, Saturday, he looked kind of down and out at one point. And, and it is testament to to the growth that Ferrari has, ha have, has had. As I said earlier, you know, Paul Ricard, the tyre wear was so bad, neither of them, you know, they were both well down the midfield i think charles leclerc finished 16th or something like that and it's been a really big turnaround um especially with regards to the heat and i think they've done a lot of work on how they're managing their tires how they're working them how they're setting up for each race uh they've done a little bit of aero tinkering as well it's just been slow steady growth um they did start the season a little bit hamstring hamstrung because it's a carryover from last year's car and last year's car was rubbish, uh, to use a technical term. And, uh, 
but it's been a really good, really, you know, assured performance from Ferrari today. Um, they seem to have shaken off last season's, you know, what have yous and just have been focusing on getting racing, getting back up there, fighting with McLaren for third in the championship. And they seem to be in a really good place at the moment. I want to pause here before we move on to the rest of the pack. Um, I want to just quickly tap into your technical expertise, JBL, because as you've just mentioned, Ferrari have obviously been really working on that car to try and overcome the issues that we saw them experience earlier in the season. And of course, Mercedes brought upgrades this weekend. So can you just delve into those two two different teams and what you've seen from them from a technical perspective and how it's helped them uh, this weekend because they've obviously paid off whatever they've been doing. Yeah, so, if, well, I'll just take off Ferrari first. It's done a lot of work to its floor and its front wing, just to try and work out where the best aero balance is. Uh, if you imagine, you know, if you're sort of reflecting light with mirrors, you reflect it in a different way and it goes to a different place. And it's the same with the front wing. You're sort of deflecting air off and it will go in a different place. And if you change your front wing, you're changing how the airflow moves around the rest of the car and you've got to change everything a bit further back to to deal with that. And so that's kind of what Ferrari has been on this process of doing throughout the season. Um, but also, as you said, Mercedes did bring a brand new bargeboard and floor update. Um, there was a little bit of confusion earlier in the season. Has, McLaren, has Mercedes... Uh, finished off its development and they said no we still got a few bits in the pipeline uh, so I assume this is what was in the pipeline um, at the start of the season they had that rippled floor that a lot of people were like why why is that like that and I think everybody was trying to feel their right way around the new floor regulations what works best what doesn't everyone's kind of reached this point of convergence now and Mercedes has decided to ditch that rippled floor to a certain degree uh, and go with something a little bit more in line with everybody else. Uh, they've redefined the bargeboard package. And I think looking at it overall, um, what it seems that they're doing is they've identified that they don't have maybe as much downforce mid-corner as perhaps Red Bull does. Red Bull runs a very, very high rake, so the straight line speed will be compromised a little bit, but in the corners they've got a lot of downforce, and so when they slam the accelerator on, they've instantly got something but Mercedes has struggled with that a little bit. And while it's turning, uh, the airflow is going a sort of a slightly different direction relative to the front of the car. The diffuser doesn't work as, as well. And so you've got to use the sort of sides of the car to try and draw out more airflow, draw out that downforce. And that's where you're going to get that mid-corner performance from. And it seems that Mercedes has identified that and has gone for, you know, trying to draw more performance out there and try and match Red Bull. Um so it's been this sort of steady progression. Um, I don't know how much more we'll see this season. I don't want to say that it's entirely the cause of why Mercedes has been much stronger relative to Rebel this season, because, you know, I don't think, you know, one swallow doesn't make a summer. But it seems to it seems to have uh, pleased the team, seems to have worked. Uh, they seem quite happy with it. And, you know, going forward, it's going to just continue to heat up this championship battle, if you like. And how much do you think that those upgrades will benefit them on the tracks that we have coming up? Do you think that they are upgrades that will really work in their favour? I think it, it kind of depends. It's at Hungary. It's a little bit more difficult because these are really low speed corners and there's not that high speed. We need kind of downforce to keep the car on track in Cops and Stowe and that kind of thing that Silverstone has. So it's going to be... I think the returns will be diminished uh, circuits like Hungary. Um, but as I said earlier, Zandvoort is going to be a completely unknown quantity. Um, I, I did once uh, drive around it on this quite, uh, you know, big state of the art simulator a long time ago. Um, and th this was before it had the banking and it's a really difficult circuit. So <laughs> I don't know how Formula <laughs> One cars are going to cope with it. It was difficult enough. I think it was like a, Porsche 911 or something we had to write, drive with. It was really difficult. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't know how an FCON car is going to cope. It's going to be interesting. And then we're going to get to Spa and Monza. And I think those updates will probably help a little bit more in just the, the higher speed corners, particularly at Spa. So I think going forward, it's, yeah, it's just going to add to the rich tapestry of our 2021 title fight. <laughs> 
That's very interesting at JBL and we appreciate that technical expertise adding a nice little flavor to today's podcast. We have 10 minutes or so to go. So let's rattle through some of the other drivers who impressed or didn't impress. And I want to start with Fernando Alonso because he wound up seventh. He had a really good weekend. Of course, he was like the star of the sprint basically. Um, he was incredible in those opening laps. He said afterwards that, you know, it was sort of like a marathon for him, but boy, did he do well in the opening laps. And then for the race, he's come home with a solid result as well. What What are you thinking of Fernando? How did you find his performance this weekend? I think he's get, he's, he's finally getting there. Um, obviously, he had a couple of years off Formula One doing other things, doing work, IndyCar, Dakar, God knows what, you know, just sort of scratching various itches. Um, and he's had to come back and get used to Formula One again, but he's also had to get to used to, you know, after having been a, a very down on its luck McLaren for many years, get used to being in a sort of relatively competitive car again as well. Um, and he's done really well. The first couple of rounds looked a bit iffy but he's had a really good weekend at Silverstone as you said star of the sprint just went all out on the soft tire was like let's let's see what happens see what we can throw at the wall and see what will stick um and then just had a really sort of sensible race uh you know yesterday um you know he had a really good battle with Vettel at the, the both starts until Vettel kind of uh went back to his old ways and spun um and I just had, yeah, again, had a very, very sensible race. And he, he kind of had Lance Stroll in his mirrors for most yeah. of the race and did a very, very good job defending. So, you know, P7 was probably the best that Alpine could have, could have got from the race. They didn't have the pace of, you know, the Ferraris and the Mercedes and McLarens, but it was a very assured performance from Alonso. It was indeed. And of course, Esteban Ocon wound up P9. He had been having a tough few races since that contract extension. He had the new chassis this weekend and it seemed like he had more confidence in the car actually. And it, it showed on the track, didn't it? Yeah. I think he was a little bit lucky to get points at the end, uh, at the end, but it was a better performance. Uh, he did benefit from, you know, Perez stopping late and Gasly having a puncher at the end, which moved him from, I think P11 to P9. But, you know, it, it's good to see him back in the points. Um, he has had a bit of a rough ride over the past couple of rounds um you know fernando's kind of got got on top of him now uh, and esteban needs to find a way back into it uh, he's got the contract extension which takes the pressure off a little bit but now he's just got to work with the team he does seem more confident with the new chassis and then they've just got to move forward and uh you know get him comfortable once again and get him to that form he was you know displaying at the early part of the season now, I'm going to jump around a little bit here because I want to talk about Sergio Perez uh, because he wound up P16. And of course, this was a race where Red Bull definitely needed him up there, given that Max was retired after that collision. Constructors Championship, they brought him no points as a result. This was a weekend to forget, really, for Checo, wasn't it? It was a disaster. <laughs> it was an absolute disaster. Um, it was. It was just everything that went wrong went wrong, and he was looking mm-hmm. okay in the, the the sprint until he went off. And so Red Bull decided, okay, well, we're not going to get anything out of this, so we might as well retire the car early so we can break Park Ferme, give him a new rear wing. Uh, I think they took, you know, they they took some of the downforce off. Um, so that he could try and pass a little bit easier uh, and get through the the pack, which he was doing quite well. He started on the hards and he was doing well to get through the pack, Um, but probably not doing quite enough, I think is the main, the main issue. I think he found it quite hard to get through. Um, And the hards didn't really do a lot for him with regards to pit strategy. He didn't stay out longer than the rest of the cars. He's pitted with everybody else. And so he was forced to run this really long medium stint. And then he ended up having that uh, that contact with Raikkonen at one point. Um, he pitted again, and then it, it just got to a point where Rebel said, "Look, the only thing we can really do with you is put you on soft tires and take 
the fastest lap point away from Hamilton. So that's kind of what they did. So in that regard, he did that job, but that was about it. But even that job was not as great as it could have been because, of course, he was out of the top 10, so he didn't even get the point. It was just taking it away as opposed to uh, gaining it, something for himself. So it was really, yeah, a tough weekend for Checo. Um, as I said, one that he will definitely want to forget. We have a few minutes left now, and I want to know who else stood out for you in the race or who else you really felt like had a bad weekend. You can take whichever side <laughs> of that you want. <laughs> I, I want to give a shout to Lance Stroll. Um, yes. P8 was very, very good. And if you look at both of his starts, he started, what, P14. And if you look at both of his starts, he... You know, we expect this from Lance Stroll now. He makes up positions on the grid. That's what he does. And it's maybe because his qualifying is a little bit iffy. But at the same time, he's off the line. He's fantastic. And in both the start and the restart, he made up places. And he got, I think he got up to P11 and then he got up to P8. Um, uh, and just held his held his nerve, kept it there, was well ahead of Ocon. So didn't wasn't really challenged too much towards the end. Giving Fernando a few things to think about. Um but it just didn't quite have enough. I think DRS wasn't very, very effective at all, really, for for some reason. Um, Aston Martin looked, I think, better in the race for sure. Vettel was good until he spun and dropped it, and then had to retire. But yeah, Stroll Stroll had a really good race. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that would be a sort of relatively fair assessment of his race. Um, I think when you look at you know the other teams, I don't think Russell could have done much more. Obviously, losing that pen, having that penalty, um, you know, when the Williams gets into that midfield, it just, it does struggle to get out. I think probably did everything he could, but it's another race where he doesn't get points. Um, Alfa Romeo didn't look particularly stunning, but did, they did an okay job. Sonoda managed to grab the last point. Uh, Gasly looked good until the puncher um, after a struggle on on Saturday. Um, yeah, I think a lot of teams really struggled to contend with the heat. With Silverstone itself, it's such a unique circuit. Um, yeah, so I think it, it I think was, a lot for teams to think about. Yeah, it was an absolute scorch yesterday. I really can't explain how hot it was at the track. I was melting um so don't really envy those the teams and the drivers having to (laughs) having to do that race in all of their gear because i do not know how they did it at all now we've run we've gone over everything that happened this race but let's look forward now like we said we've got hungry next up what are your thoughts and feelings across the field not just at the top of the pack going into the next race I think it's a circuit that should benefit uh, Red Bull a lot more. It it usually does in the past. Um, It's going to be difficult for Mercedes to kind of flex its muscles a little bit. And that's kind of the close quarters sort of uh, circuits are where Red Bull really, really shines. Um, It should benefit Ferrari quite well as as well, actually. I think if you're looking for a uh, Ferrari McLaren battle, I think Ferrari looks in good shape for that. And, in lower down in the midfield, AlphaTauri should be a little bit more on it. Um, Gasly's had a tough couple of uh, a couple of races, so it'll be good to see him get back into you know where AlphaTauri was promising to be at the start of the season. So it's it's going to be quite interesting. It's a completely different venue to Silverstone. Uh, it's very difficult to overtake. It's a little bit like Monaco, but not quite as extreme. But yeah, I think I think it should be an interesting one. If you know Hungary's also not you know unsusceptible to weather and if we get a little bit of rain that can you know really shake things up as well and of course it is going to be even more interesting after everything that has just unfolded with this race that is when we will be able to see how the dynamics have changed if they change between those at the front of the pack and of course here at Autosport we'll be back with you for the Hungarian Grand Prix back with our podcasts and you can catch us then but in the meantime head over to Autosport Plus right now and you can read pieces on how Charles Leclerc almost defied Hamilton after F1 title rivals Silverstone clash of course a big talking point as we've just said Charles Leclerc's amazing performance yesterday you can also read an article on how the flawed throwback series gained acceptance and uncovering Silverstone's engineering secrets for F1 success 
That's all on Auto Sport Plus right now, so make sure you head over. And JBL, thank you for joining me. Fantastic chat. And of course, thank you to Ben and Mike as well for their brilliant insight earlier in the episode. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.